When the moon hits your eye Like a big pizza pie That's amore When the world seems to shine Like you've had too much wine That's amore for the judges and this multi-millionaire mogul now has the best kind of goal. The Thunderbird 144A for John Montgomery. It is Thunderbird with the Canada. Montgomery takes gold and it's good. The Caps have a 20. Oh, Tora Bright has gone smack. Tora Bright is an Olympic gold medalist. Chuck scores. It's Pula again. Canada wins gold in overtime. Nadezhka touch for the line. 121. It is off the podium and Olympics podcast coming your way once again for an amazing athlete interview. We are returning to the sport of freestyle skiing, aerial skiing in particular, and we have got to you today Beijing Olympian Gabby Ash creating history today, the first ever sibling of a former guest we've had on the show. Of course, uh, Colin spoke to Sophie Ash back in April of last year. A great chat about her journey. And this is all another great journey of Gabby Ash's time in the sport of aerial skiing. Still in freestyle skiing, but just a different discipline. And we learn from Gabby how she started in skiing, then left skiing, then came back to skiing, and how all that came about. The difficulties of transitioning from diving into aerials and why there are a little bit more tricky aspects to that than it may seem on paper. Her journey up into Beijing and how getting into Beijing was uh, an extraordinary result for her and everything that came from that, as well as learning all of what happened in Beijing, her hopes moving forward, her rivalry with her sister and uh, some great things that may happen at future family dinners and just a great insight into everything to do with the incredible Gabby Ash. So sit back, relax, and listen to our chat with Australian Olympic aerial skier, Gabby Ash. We love talking about aerial skiing here on Off the Podium. Had plenty of guests over the years from the sport, and we're actually ticking off a bit of a list today in terms of Aussie Olympians from Beijing. We've spoken to Laura, we've spoken to Danny, and we are now here to speak to the third Australian who competed in Beijing in 2022 in women's aerials. It's a pleasure to welcome to the show Gabby Ash. Gabby, welcome to the program. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me. You are creating history as well by being the first ever sibling of another guest we've had on the show. We obviously had Sophie on a little bit uh, back a while ago. So uh, ticking the boxes or everything there. We like creating, completing lists here on the show, Gabby. So thank you. (laughs) No worries. (laughs) It always always works out well. But I love sort of your journey into aerial skiing because sort of you skied, then didn't, then did. So uh, (laughs) explain maybe a little bit sort of uh, how you ended up doing that from skiing to not skiing to getting back into skiing and ultimately becoming an Olympian in skiing. Um, Yeah, so I started skiing when I was about three. Um, Obviously, Sophie's older than me, so my parents had taken her skiing. They were quite keen skiers um, when they were younger. And then, yeah, when I got old enough to walk and they took me skiing with Sophie, um, 
And yeah, so we used to, Sophie kind of got into race club and I used to kind of go up and do like team extreme in Mount Buller um, on the weekends. And then I started getting into, like I did gymnastics until I was about 10. And then when I stopped that, I started like a holiday program for diving. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that kind of started to kick off more. So that took up more of my time. And then, so I kind of wasn't able to really ski as much. Um, So I would stop going up on the weekends and when Sophie would go up. Um, So yeah, I had my diving career and then I finished that when I was like 17 and then no, maybe 18. It was halfway. It was at the start of year 12. Um, And then halfway through year 12, I was like, I'm bored. I need to do some sort of sport or something. (laughs) Um, And yeah, by then Sophie had changed from kind of racing to moguls. um, And she heard about the aerials program because Obviously, jumping at Lilydale, um, you see like the aerialists there. Um, and yeah, so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to try out. Like, I kind of want to start skiing again. Like, because I, I remember hearing that in the aerials program, like, you obviously, a lot of the athletes that were gymnasts who couldn't ski beforehand. And so you kind of ski for a while before you kind of get into the aerials aspect of it. Um, so, like, okay, cool. Like, I'll go up and ski for a bit again and then see, I guess, what happens. I didn't really know much about aerial skiing. Um, and then, yeah, I kind of got history. skiing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. which I, I love. The one thing I love about that story is that for once we didn't have an aerial skier sitting in the crowd at a diving or a gymnastics event trying to steal all the athletes away. Because as I keep saying, it's great that, you know, you've got to get them from there, but I'm mm. looking forward to the day when it can kind of be the opposite. You've got gymnasts sitting yeah. in the crowd at an aerials event going like, we want you to come back to gymnastics. Because it doesn't really happen that way, sadly, does it? Yeah, no. Well, hopefully now that we've got the water ramp in Brisbane, yeah. like we've got like the divers right next door, and then there's also like the gymnastic complex as well, mm-hmm. all in the same area, like... They can't, they like, for example, the divers walk out from the dry land, see the jumping, and then go into dive. Like, yeah. It's like all there. Watching, you know, if yeah. I stop, I could start that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's just, we've had so much success in aerials that I think, like, you know, we've got to get this into gymnastics now. It feels like if we're that good at tricks and flipping and all that kind of stuff, like, take away the snow, put it on the mat. It can't be that hard, surely. <laughs> 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 exactly exactly which i mean when it sort of came to the gymnastics and then you're talking about diving was it the acrobatics of it that you enjoyed sort of the trick aspects sort of what was it about those sports that led you to doing those at a, at a young age um well yeah i feel like gymnastics is kind of one of those sports that like a lot of people kind of get into when they're younger kind of teach coordination and all that um and then i did end up being quite successful in it but I remember my coach at the time being like, oh, she's going to be too tall. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not that tall, but um, <laughs> but gymnast, I guess. And then at that point I was like, I would kind of come to school at recess and then leave like early still or I'd come to school by lunchtime. Like I was starting to miss a lot of school. Um, and then, yeah, I guess then – I went to a holiday program for diving because it was kind of a natural progression, like acrobatic. And I think like I loved acrobatics. So yeah, I tried that and I really enjoyed it. But it's funny because like a lot of the other gymnasts who I used to like, who I kind of grew up with, they kind of did the progression from gymnastics to diving because you still do acrobatics. But a lot of people can't get over landing on your head in Mm -hmm. diving from gymnastics. So 
Because you don't really land on your head in gymnastics. That's kind of frowned upon well, in gymnastics. Yeah, you'd have not. <laughs> yeah, might be a bit. You've you fucked that up somewhere if you're doing that. Which I, I love kind of the correlations between sports, though, when you kind of have that sort of transitional, and those three mm-hmm. are kind of all the way they kind of all work with that. But w- when you were sort of in gymnastics or then into diving, were the Olympics something that you looked at? Was this sort of something that you grew up watching, going, "Cool, that's what I want to do," and I could achieve that potentially in gymnastics and diving? Yeah, definitely. Um, more so diving, I think, is gymnastics. Like, I was quite young, so I wasn't – like, I was like, oh, yeah, I want to go to the Olympics, but I can't say I was watching gymnastics competitions all day, every day. Um, but, yeah, definitely more so diving. Um, I definitely was aiming for the Olympics. Um, I was still kind of younger at the time, but I remember my coach being like, Rio like you and this other girl are going to go there for synchro when we were like training up and trying to learn all these new like platform dives and <laughs> I think that was the first time where I was kind of like oh like I could wow well, so well I saw your uh your favorite sporting moment Matthew Mitchum winning gold in 2008 mm. so obviously kind of that you know, seeing someone like that win a goal, that was an iconic moment back in 2008 though. But, I mean, I can sure that gives you a bit of energy, a bit of spurring on to the prospect and then you've got your coach saying, hey, Rio, 2016, you guys, you can do it. You can keep going. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was an awesome moment, like the highest scoring dive ever at that time. I'm not entirely sure if someone's beat that. but I think <laughs> someone did. I think there was one of the Chinese divers might have at Tokyo um, from memory. Uh, but, no, I mean, at the time that was just absolutely insane to have to – put that all on the line, one dive, boom, yep. done it. Just uh, absolutely insane. It's, it's, it's a sport that I think Australia always forgets how successful we are mm-hmm. when it comes to, you know, we've seen that at the Commonwealth Games and obviously at the Olympics, you know, you've kind of got these people out there that just, boom, diving, great. This is how good it actually is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a cool sport. Which when it came to doing that switch to aerial skiing, obviously – the skiing aspects kind of important you sort of had that down pat from what it sounds like but how transitional are the moves from diving into aerial skiing is it a simple case of well you're doing flips and turns it's the same thing or is it a different style that you have to kind of transition and get used to when you first start hitting the slopes into aerials yeah so I did well I wouldn't say struggle but I feel like I was kind of behind um at the start because it is a different like twisting style and kind of um like aerials is kind of all straight flips and you kind of in diving you're kind of tucking or piking and doing really fast flips um and aerials you kind of spot the landing diving you kind of have no idea you kind of have the feel um and also the twisting style is different for example like diving you do if you're going backwards you do a half or a one and a half or a two and a half in aerials you do full double which I know sounds like fine but it's it was kind of weird to wrap my head around that at the beginning like just doing one less half of a twist (laughs) um but I think the good thing about diving was well I did more platforms so I kind of was used to heights um and having that awareness of how high I am when I am at a height, if that makes sense, yeah, um, yeah. I feel like is quite transferable to aerials, which I feel like gymnasts maybe don't have as much of that maybe because I guess the floor, they're not going as high. Um, so, yeah, I feel like they were good and things which I had to work on from diving. <laughs> which you also, I guess, technically in aerials you get 
more time in the air, don't you? Because it's you're yeah. not uh, obviously falling as fast as you would in diving. I remember we had Laura Hinkson on. I think she described it like a two-second time or something from the 10-meter yeah. down to the pool, which I can imagine a little bit longer. But, again, it's a different motion. With diving, you're coming from a standing start mm-hmm. and you've got a steady platform, whereas aerials, you're obviously sloping down, picking up speed, and then kind of there's yeah. all that element to it. So it, it, do, you see, do you find it would – you know, for when they get gymnasts over to aerials who maybe don't have that diving uh, experience, would you say it's easier for a diver to transition into aerials or easier for a gymnast to transition into aerials? Um, I would say gymnast just because I feel like the acrobatics are more similar than to diving because diving, as you said, you're standing and then you have to, like, generate the – well, actually, I guess it's similar in gymnastics – I feel like more so in diving, you have to generate the twist and the salt um, while in gymnastics. I guess bars is maybe more similar to aerials. I don't know. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> trampoline, I guess. you kind of Yeah, well, trampoline is probably the – it's funny that we don't really have any trampolines. But, <laughs> yeah, um, so it's so been a while. Similar to yeah. <laughs> Which i got to think then too when you make that transition and obviously – you know, with what Sophie's doing in moguls. I mean, were you tempted for moguls? Were you were you tempted for any of the other freestyle disciplines or was it kind of always aerials or nothing? Um, well, like, I love the like, idea of moguls. Like, I think it's awesome. But, like, she – you definitely have to be a better skier than I am to do moguls, um, and it's a lot more training. Like, a lot of them start a lot younger than, I guess, I did when I – restarted skiing um so i don't think i could have been successful at moguls and big air i reckon would have been really cool but i just didn't even know that was an option i guess at the time <laughs> plus that's a lot of access which is like very foreign to me yeah yeah it's it's fascinating all the different disciplines that there are and kind of how mm-hmm. it, it all comes across but when you start making your way out through the ranks i mean kind of 2017, I believe, uh, sort of around that area, your first international competition around then too. That would have been on the back end of uh, Lydia's career, which I'm not sure how much you sort of bumped shoulders at that point. But what's it like sort of joining a team where she's coming to the twilight of her career? Is she great for advice? Do you kind of lean on her a little bit to get some tips and that moving forward just as you're starting your aerials career? Yeah, so, yeah, 2017, that was, yeah, just before um, uh, Pyeongchang. And I remember being in Finland and that was kind of my first, that was my first year doing like singles, like the first time flipping on snow really. And we used to train at a different time for the World, the World Cup team. And that was when Lydia was training. Um, but we would often like come out and watch them. And yeah, I guess it was pretty cool because obviously she's just such a pioneer in the sport. Like you hear about it, you hear about her achievements. Um, and then getting to see that. Um after that, I didn't really cross paths with her that much. Um, but I would say, like, like Laura Peel, for example, like I've trained alongside her since I started. Um, so I'd say she's probably been the main person that I've, like, looked up to and kind of got tips and tricks and all that from. It's because it's just seems to be this 
everlasting legacy that we've got on the Australian uh, aerial team, don't we? You know, from back in the, you know, Kirsty and Jackie days through to to Alyssa, now Lydia, and now obviously with Laura, as you're saying, and Danny in there too, and, and now yourself. Like, it just seems like no matter when it seems like one athlete's career is coming to an end, we've gone, ah, we'll pick you, you will continue this legacy because it's just such a sport that Australia has done so well in over the last 25, 30 years. Yeah, it's really cool. And I think that's like probably one of the reasons why we are so successful. It's like because there always has been people who have been, you've been able to look up to and kind of share the secrets of success like with. And um, yeah, because I would say like, yeah, definitely training alongside Laura. I haven't trained, I've only recently started training alongside Danny more so, but like when in my younger, more, you know, impressionable years, it was more so Laura. Um, Yeah, she's definitely helped me shape help shape me into an athlete that I am today with like competitions and training and stuff. So yeah, I think that's really cool. With that progression though, so you're saying 2017, so just before Pyeongchang, but after those games, do you set yourself straight away like Beijing, this is my goal? Are you sort of told that it might not happen Beijing, look towards 2026, kind of what sort of do you go in your mindset at that point when you're starting off and progressing through the international competitions at that stage? um yeah so like 2017 obviously first singles like first time flipping on snow I don't think at that point I would have been like I if someone told me okay you're going to Olympics in 2022 I would have been like whoa like (laughs) (laughs) um because yeah after that it was kind of you learn your doubles like I do a few more world cups but even then like I guess well once COVID hit I did like one World Cup in the previous season before COVID. And then during the COVID season, like 2020, I got to do a few more. But even then, I think I still I still felt like a bit more of a junior athlete. Um, so I guess that 2020, 2021, I was thinking like, okay, cool. I, I could have a chance at the Olympics, but I don't think I was ever like, oh, I've got a chance. Like I'm 100% going to go. It was kind of just have fun, do your best, and then see what happens, I guess. So I remember I want to talk about Dave Morris. I know he's your coach, Mm -hmm. uh, but I read his autobiography and just amazing book and sort of reading sort of through his journey through the Olympics about how kind of Vancouver almost was a bonus, you know, sort of that wasn't something that he necessarily thought would happen, but it happened. But it seemed like that helped him a lot to what would happen with Sochi. So like for yourself kind of, have that moment where it's like, okay, well, this would be great, but maybe not. But like, I can imagine now that you've got an Olympics out of the way, you've, you've done your first, that that mm-hmm. can only help you sort of moving forward, particularly because you're still so young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. Like, I think that was definitely a bonus um, being able to go to Beijing. Um, Cause I think 2026 is most definitely when like, I'll be 26, 27 then. Like that's kind of more the age when, female athletes do peak um so yeah it's definitely more of a probably serious competition rather than me not that this wasn't a serious competition but I guess I was more attending and it was definitely more of an experience than actually like okay I'm a contestant for a medal which Um, going through that then too because obviously in the lead up to Beijing you know great uh, finishes you get some medals in the NORAM as well uh 15th on your world championship debut pretty decent uh, event when it comes to sort of points and qualifying 
is it a balance act with say norams world cups and sort of how it all works and do you then all of a sudden get to a point where it's like well i need to do more world cups to help towards this or getting third in a noram will be better than finishing 20th in a world cup like how does that kind of all work in the lead into an olympics so the two years before um count towards um the olympic quota and your ranking um so the co- like 2020 no 2019 2020 i think i that was like my first year on the world cup circuit so i only did two um and i did end up getting like a few good places which kind of set me up well for the 2020 2021 season um and that season no sorry 2021 2022 season this set covid screwed our oh, lines yeah. up what are even our dates <laughs> anymore Gab? we don't know what they are <laughs> it's all blur. Yeah. um but yeah, the 2021 season leading up to the games, it was like do as many World Cups as you can, um, you know, do as well as you can, obviously. Um, and I did get a sixth in Rooker in the in December in 2021, which I think I'm not entirely sure about um, the criteria, but I think it was if you got a top six you then qualify a spot for the Olympics, like not necessarily me qualifying a spot, but Australia qualifies a spot. Um, so obviously Laura and Danny had done that already. And then I think by me doing that in Finland, I just then had to make the top 30 um, in the rankings and then, yeah. Then you're in. Little then slots you're- confirmed, basically. And, and is there sort of with the depth of women's aerials, so if you're the third best and you've got that quota for australia are you then pretty confident that you're the one going to be chosen for it because i obviously realize that it all comes down to quotas and then generally it comes down to the federation choosing which of those quotas go to which athletes right so just because you've qualified you'd hope you're going but that might not necessarily mean you get chosen right yeah well that was kind of yeah how the season was going it was like don't assume that you're going because yeah, as they kept saying, like, you've qualified that spot, but it's not for you necessarily. Um, so, like, after the last World Cup before the Games, um, we then did, like, a two-week camp in um, Canada before going to Beijing. And, like, we didn't – well, I didn't know if I was going or not then. There was me and another girl who um, had been injured in the season beforehand, so wasn't able to get results then. So this was kind of her season to – um to get results um so we were kind of there and we didn't know if we we're going or not um so I kind of always had that in the back of my head like oh they could send her over me or they might just choose not to send either of us if we don't make the ranking or I don't know so that's insane two weeks yeah. out like this is what always just amazes me particularly with our winter athletes because it is so damn close to an olympics i mean we had a sailor on recently and he'd qualified like two years before the olympics so he was off just holidaying around just doing whatever he knew he was there but two weeks before you still don't know if you're there yeah it's pretty crazy (laughs) which when it comes in when they call you bring you into the office email carry a pigeon whatever it is and they say like gabby you're going to the olympics what's that what's that feeling like I think it was just like, it was relief really because it was very much like, okay, so we're doing a pre-Olympic camp, but am I going? Um, So I'm going to train obviously as hard as I can, as I would either way. But um, yeah, it was just like a weight off the shoulders really. Like, (laughs) 
I know it was yeah it was crazy it was very cool was your spot had, had Sophie already been confirmed at that point were you kind of number two or number one because I can imagine both your parents you know when you, you're both going to the Olympics so that's a pretty special feeling but did, did you beat her to being selected first technically or she a great question because freestyle was announced around the same time I have a feeling she knew before me right I remember roundabout yeah, yeah. which how, how is that like I don't know Next dinner when you come home from the Olympics before the Olympics, you there with mum and dad. Hey, how you going? How's your how's your you know last couple of months? Oh, good. We just both went to the Olympics. Yeah, all right. Fair enough. What have you been doing? You know, working on the car. <laughs> I mean, that must be a pretty fun dinner that when you hold together the next time after that. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, it was cool because, well, obviously Sophie went home before me because we had like the forty-eight hour time after our competition um, before we went home. And, yeah, I, I can't. I feel like that's kind of a blur now, like getting home from the games because you're just kind of like, oh, it's over, like um, a bit exhausted. But, yeah, I think we went out for dinner and we kind of, you know, celebrated a bit. But I, I, I hope they paid, you know, for their, their two daughter Olympians. Like I feel like you deserve a free meal after that, right? <laughs> you know, kind of wish that way. But with obviously the aerials being in the second week, so you've got that whole week leading up to it obviously you get to go watch Sophie which was fantastic I know she unfortunately didn't get to watch you as you said she went home but is it would you rather like in an event like that get it over and done with kind of is it a nervous wait waiting around to the second week or do you prefer sort of being able to relax a little bit soak in the Olympic atmosphere before you ultimately get to compete um like I do think it was a good we actually had quite a lot of time there because there was the team event first um so we got there like, yeah, luckily just in time for me to be able to watch Sophie. But then there was the team event. We had like a few days of training. There was the team event and then we had like another week. So we were kind of there for like two weeks, like longer than most athletes. Um, but I actually enjoyed it. Like I didn't think it was like it made me more stressed necessarily because like I was able to hang out with Sophie at the start. Like we'd kind of walk around the village together and I got to watch her and then we did get a lot of training, so we were really used to the side, I guess, by the time the competition actually rolled around. Fantastic. Um, so, yeah, I actually, yeah, I quite enjoyed the amount of time we had there. Got to see Australia win gold with Jakara. So, I mean, you know, you were there, right? So, yeah. that, that, yeah. that was a good night. <laughs> Decent, you know, yeah. celebrating your sister, celebrating Australia. It all works out well. Yeah. Just on the team event, actually, obviously, Australia not in it because we didn't have a male aerial mm-hmm. skier, but how, how tempted was Dave to pull on the skis again like because I mean like every year every Olympics I'm retiring I'm retiring and you know he ultimately finally did and he's coaching now but was he was he close to like putting him on again to help help it out and get a team in in Beijing I reckon if someone seriously told him like okay you need to do like I don't know just a double that you just need to compete he would have been like all right I'm gonna go <laughs> like yeah <laughs> like, if serious about it I reckon he would have done it <laughs> yeah because it was obviously a pretty small field so you know high chance of a medal there uh you know if you got yourself Laura and Danny you know bloody good skiers Dave decent skier himself I, I reckon we could have done that you know I reckon medal medal would have been ours Gabby easy yeah. I know, it was a missed opportunity really, but next one, next Olympics. Yeah, next next one. Did you set yourself a goal going into the Olympics? Was it a case of, hey, I'm going for a medal or I, I want to make the final? Kind of like what was your goal going into the Olympics? Um, definitely I wanted to make the final. Um, and I think it was more just like I wanted to experience the games and I wanted to be able to perform under that pressure. So I was kind of putting – 
I put the goal on myself, like obviously I kind of just wanted to do my best. I wanted to land my jumps and kind of show what I could do. Um, I guess that's everyone wants to do. But, yeah, I didn't necessarily have a hard goal of, okay, you need to get this place and you do this and you do this because I think that could have potentially stressed me out more than I wanted to be. So, yeah. In in terms of that experience, you're saying sort of like soaking the Olympics. We always love hearing, you know, I mean, you've obviously talked a little bit about, you know, going to watch uh, Sophie and, and all that kind of stuff, but were there other things? Did you get involved in like pin trading, you know, bump into some famous person? You're like, oh, my God, there's that person there. Like, like sort of what was that whole experience like before competing? I did do a bit of pin trading. I was a bit stingy with my pins though because <laughs> I think because <laughs> the Australian pins are a bit of a hot commodity because there's not as many of us compared to like, you know, the Canadians, US. So people would be like, oh, can we swap our pins? I'd be like, oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, so because it was a bit like we were testing, you didn't want to get COVID obviously while you were there. Um, yeah. And we were testing ourselves every day. They were kind of saying like, you know, limit the amount of time you go into the shops in the Olympic village or like don't go in the dining hall in the village. Like we kind of stayed put in our Aussie house um, for a majority leading up to the competition. So I can't say I really like mingled too much before, but I definitely like wandered around a lot. And I did see like, you know, famous athletes from afar. and be like, oh my God. Who, was, who was the most famous? Who was the most famous one you saw? Most famous one I saw. Oh, I'm blanking on their names now. Put you on the spot here for this, Gabby. <laughs> Seriously. Um, oh, I cannot remember now. Did you did you see, like, you know, Chloe Kim or, like, I mean, I mean, Scotty James is a teammate of yours technically, oh. but, like, do you see anybody like that? We did. I was, I can't remember. I don't think. He came one of the days after he won his medal, but he was in a different village to us. So right. we were where the big air was. They were close. They well, they were in Beijing. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, and, there was because there was a whole bunch mm-hmm. of sort of different ones. You know, obviously with the different clusters, right? So it's sort of yeah, not quite the same. But it's I've always I've loved hearing this from every one of our Aussie athletes from Beijing though about that vibe that must have been going through the team given the success. And, I mean, I remember when the aerials were coming up and obviously, you know, with Laura, Danny, you know, all these extra hopes of medals. At that point, we'd already won the four. A couple of days after, you know, Jackie gets the silver and the skeleton, the surprise one there. You had Bree and the bobsled around about that same time too. So it must have been such a great vibe for you all to kind of feed off that the team had been so successful and still had a whole week to go there. Yeah. No, it was so cool because, like, in the um, in the team house, Australian house, we had like a kind of lounge room and every um, event that was kind of going on, if you weren't able to go out and watch it, um, we would always have it on on the TV. So like throughout the day you'd go, go make breakfast and then there'd be someone like doing their on a finals run or something on the TV and everyone would be huddling around like cheering and stuff. And like it was, it was such a cool atmosphere. Like it was, it was very cool. Like we watched Tess win her medal on TV and obviously I saw Jakara in person and yeah, watched Jackie and yeah, it was really cool. It definitely lit, lit the fire a bit. <laughs> definitely. And and also, as I keep hearing, you had your own barista there too, didn't you? Like yeah. I think, wasn't Australia the only team that kind of had their like exclusive Australian mm-hmm. Olympic barista? 
Yeah, we did. It was it was very good. <laughs> Jacob. Which I want that job. That jo- Jacob. Yeah. All right, shout out to Jacob. It's like, I mean, you know, you, you don't think about these roles that can take you to an Olympics. You've got baristas out there listening to this guy. Wow, I can go to an Olympic Games now as a barista. Yeah. Like, come on, Australian Olympic Committee, hire me. <laughs> yeah, I know. A bit, like, I was like, you have the best job in the village. Like, <laughs> yeah. All day and, yeah, you're here. Good old Jacob. I like that. I love hearing about the how exclusive like the Aussie pins were because I mean it's you want to trade you want to get them but I, I kind of like this idea that Australia's got the the best well, what was it that made it so special it's, I actually don't know if it was that special but someone told me they're like just like you know be a bit stingy with your pins because we had the cool kangaroo ones ah. the kangaroo ones um yep. and we weren't given that many we were maybe given like five or so at the beginning and then it turns out we did get some more at the end which is kind of nice um, <laughs> holding out like, for you yeah <laughs> at the end i was like i've been i've been yeah. <laughs> uh yeah so i think we had what about like 200 athletes or australian athletes um i can't remember the exact number but like compared to like the u.s yeah canada other countries there was quite a small amount of Australian pins going around. So I think when people did see Australians, they were like, give me a pin. Give me a pin. Give me a pin. Which do you then, like, from a smaller name, like, do you try and find, like, a Jamaican athlete because they're going to have even less pins? Or, you know, I think you had Trinidad and Tobago, some of these countries that you'd be like, oh, cool, I want to get one of those pins. Exactly, yeah. I saw a guy, he um, was from Nigeria, and I was like, oh, do you want to swap a pin? And he's like, yeah, I'll bring one to you. But then I never saw him again, which is kind oh. of cool. But Damn. I got like Brazil, which was a really cool pin. Um, oh, there was another one that was really cool, but I didn't end up getting that one. But yeah, definitely the smaller countries were very um, bit of hot sort of, uh, Yeah, and do you do the whole like put them on the lanyard sort of around your accreditation? Is that sort of where you end up putting them? Yeah, I started on the lanyard, and then I um, put a bit on the few on the beanie. Ah, yes. That works. Okay. And is it also like uniform trading? I know that sometimes happens. Like you get to the end of the games, do you go like, oh, I really love the Brazilian jacket. I'll swap you my Aussie jacket for your Brazilian jacket because you obviously have a few of them that you could probably share around too, right? Yeah. Yeah, I wish I did more of that. Um, I did swap. I got a Canadian top and a Canadian hat because, of course, they were decked out in Lululemon. Lululemon, I was going to say, you need to make the most of free Lululemon, right? (laughs) They thought their gear was like the best and it kind of was. So I was like, um, I swapped, I think my like bright yellow t-shirt or something. And I was like, okay, you can have it. Like this. <laughs> <laughs> it amazing. Why not? Um, yeah. I think, did I get, I got a Swiss beanie. Um, yeah, I wish I did a bit more, but I'm sorry. Next did, did you get to do any of the ceremonies at all? Obviously, you know, you were there sort of a little bit earlier, but uh, afterwards were you shipped out straight away or were you allowed to sort of stick around and do the ceremony? We were shipped out within like two days, so just missed the clo- closing ceremony, um, which is kind of sad. And I, I, didn't get, I didn't go to the opening ceremony, but, of course, like Laura was the flag bearer, so she – when and experienced that, which was pretty cool. Um, once again, it was kind of like, do you risk it with COVID and all the waiting for the opening ceremony? Um, so in the end, I think most of us decided not to do it. 
But we kind of did our own opening ceremony at the Olympic Village where we were at and we kind of walked around as Australian team and had our flag. And, like, I think the Canadians did it as well. And, like, <laughs> so it was still kind of, it was nice. It was cool. <laughs> had that fun. Again, it's your first Olympics. Have you got many more uh, opening ceremonies <laughs> and closing ceremonies you get to go to? The, the competition itself, uh, obviously, Laura and Danny do pretty all right in the first one, go straight through. But then yourself, missing out by, what was it, point, like 1.5... Of a point now, just get it out now, Gabby. Bullshit! You should have made it. Like, come on, just get rip into the judges right now. Bullshit! You should have been uh, in that final, yeah. right? <laughs> I reckon. Well, so I can, in their defence, I can see why that point was maybe taken off, but I'll probably be angry then because I think they thought I touched my hand on the snow when I landed, which I will forever say that I did not. <laughs> um, but from their point of view, it looked like I did. Anyway, um, it's it's that frustrating aspect though, which you no doubt get used to, right? About you know any judge yeah. sport that it just it plays a part. But I mean, at an Olympic, so like I mean, even though it's obviously disappointing to miss out by that much of a final, can you sort of almost reflect and go, well, I was one point five away from a final in my first Olympics at yeah. the age of twenty four. So I mean, there are positives to take away from that disappointment. I can imagine. Yeah, no, exactly. Like I don't, I did not leave the competition feeling disappointed in myself. Like obviously I think I could have done better. Yes. But I was pretty happy with how I competed. Um, yeah. So. And I've got to say though, too, on the competitiveness of siblings, you mm-hmm. finished 14th at the Olympics. Sophie finished 16th. You beat Sophie at the Olympic games. Uh, you got to take that one, right? That is very true. I've actually never thought of it that way. You're yeah. welcome. Take yeah. that up at Christmas yeah. dinner, you know, yeah. like, hey, hey, you know, pass me the potatoes. And guess what, Sophie, beat you at the Olympics, you know, <laughs> thanks for that. I get extra uh, dessert now. Like. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, I mean, what was the vibe like? In Because, like, the thing that sort of came from that, obviously, you know, with, with Laura making the super final, finishing fifth, Danny obviously just missing out, and, like, both obviously seemed incredibly devastated for, for mm. the kind of that. Like, being teammates in that situation, I mean, are you able to sort of go in and sort of console them and kind of go there? I mean, like, what was that whole vibe like after it, just amongst all three of you? Yeah, so it obviously was a bit of a disappointing outcome for both of them. Like, they definitely both had medal potential um, and had been, tra- like, training and competing so well in the lead-up. Um, so, yeah, afterwards it was a bit of a... Yeah, they were, it was a bit of a low kind of atmosphere, but I don't know. It was, it was hard to, like you obviously, I was obviously there for them, but also there was kind of the, like people kind of saying to me, like, obviously it's disappointing for them, but don't let that like, I guess, underpin your success, your first competition. Um, But they were both really good about it. Like obviously they were deflated, but. I think they just needed time and kind of just, you know, they, they've obviously um, experienced disappointment within their area's career, like everyone does. So they kind of know how within themselves how to deal with it. Um, but, yeah, we, I think we're all a strong team unit. Like we've travelled and lived together for away from home for like months on end. So, yeah. It's always taking that disappointment and turning it into fuel for the fire to to push towards obviously – 
the next Olympics, which I mean, obviously for them, different points of their career, but for you, as we've said, you know, this is almost like a bit of a bonus Olympics. So do you now just kind of switch that focus? You've got another, well, I guess what, three and a bit years now at the time of recording this towards Milan. And is that kind of just where mm-hmm. your head's at and what you'll be doing now uh, sort of moving forward? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think there's also like world champs this year. So I think it's just, yeah, this year has been a bit, I've had, a, I had a bit of a break and I only just came back to training actually like a few weeks ago to just kind of, you know, reset. Um, and yeah, I think now I'm just like, I want to perfect the things that I know I need to do better at and, you know, keep going each year and yeah. Keep going towards that, which is, it's always developing, right? Learning, like as in like there's always a new trick to learn and once you kind of yeah. you you land that and you nail that, then it's on to the next one the next one. <laughs> so it's it's a sport that doesn't really stop in terms of your development. Exactly, yeah. Which I also have to ask a bit more about Dave, having him as a coach because mm-hmm. uh, we've had him on the show, great guy and, you know, one of the greatest characters I think in all of Aussie Olympic sports. But, I mean, how is that to kind of have him on board? Obviously, probably a great coach, but he's also a bit of fun too. Like, does that just make having a coach like that just fun as well as being inspirational as well, given his amazing career? Yeah, no, definitely. Like, it's cool because, yeah, obviously he's done the whole aerials journey. He's been an athlete. He's kind of, like, he's literally done everything I'm doing. And um, so having that, like, extra kind of insight into it is, you know, makes coach, I think, that a bit better. Um, and yeah, as you know, he's like, he's full of energy. Like <laughs> He's jumping off the walls and like excited about everything. And yeah, it's, it's very cool. Cause I know I might get to training and be tired or something. And then, you know, obviously he's like super pumped about it. Like Ariel's like, I don't think anything could get him more excited than Ariel. So um, <laughs> I still expect, I still I seriously expect him to see him at another Olympics competing. Like I just, I couldn't believe he wasn't at Beijing. I didn't believe that yeah. at all. Like, I think the amount of times he kind of mentioned like, Oh, it'd be funny if I did the team event. I was like, oh. <laughs> Not the surprise we strapped on some skis, but <laughs> yeah, we need we we need more male aerial skiers. I mean, do we have them, Gabby? What's going on? Where, why can't we get men into this sport? Yeah, well, like we have had some of them in the past. Um, it's just there wasn't really a pathway for boys. Like I think because, like obviously you have well for the men to be competitive, they do like harder tricks, higher DD degree of difficulty, um, and so that takes longer, and then. Yeah, so in the past that I guess they haven't really put funding towards that as much. Um, but we do have a male in our World Cup team now. Great. Uh, so that's really cool. Good yeah. to see. Yeah. Okay. Which, then, I mean, I love that, yeah, in, in Dave's book, just like, yeah, <laughs> learning sort of the, the difficulties <laughs> that he had going through it because, as you said, no pathway. It was just yeah. insane to kind of to, to kind of see that. Have you, have you read his book? Like does he give you a copy on like day one of you of him coaching? Read my book, read my book. It's great. He doesn't know. Um, oh, I've read bits of his book because I think some another athlete has had it, and I've kind of read snippets of it. Um, but I do need to do that and get it signed by him. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a good idea while, while you can with that, because uh, I mean, it really is a, a great book. I definitely really, really enjoyed that. I mean, it's it kind of must like it's fascinating when you say like you took that time off because a lot of the interviews we've done this year obviously have just come straight after the Olympics, and you you know are you going to the next Olympics? Oh, don't ask me now. I'm still having a holiday. But like, what what do yeah. you do to wind down after sort of this big cycle, this big push to go? 
to an Olympics, you get the highs and everything that comes. I mean, do you just go lay on a beach somewhere or something? I mean, you're probably so sick of snow that you're seeing for, what, like 75% of the year? Um, yeah. It, uh, as I was saying before, it was like a blur after coming back. Like I think you just kind of have that mental just like – I guess you're on just such a high for so long and just so like wired that as soon as you get home, it's just like, I don't know, a mental like drain. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I just kind of saw my friends. It was really nice to see that. Well, obviously friends and family after being away, cause we were away for about nine to 10 months um, leading up to the games. Um, so yeah. And it was getting slightly cooler in Melbourne by that time. <laughs> so I wasn't really lying on the beach, but I was definitely enjoying being out of the minus 30 degree wind chill in Beijing. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was very nice. But yeah, it was more just enjoying being home and like just there's nothing better than I think sleeping your, in your own bed after being away for so long as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, just enjoying kind of the lifestyle of home and, Going yeah. all through that, which it's also, I mean, I don't know if aerials is a sport where you're forced to get up super early, but we know obviously a lot of uh, sports you do for training, but is there a moment where maybe you do have a set schedule of sleeping when you're in competition training mode, but when you're not, you got that time off and you're like, fuck it, no alarm, <laughs> phone is off, I'm sleeping. If it's two o'clock in the afternoon, I don't care. I Nobody disturb me and just have like the longest sleeping ever. A hundred percent. Every day off I, or break, I'm like, I'm not setting an alarm. If I wake up, I wake up. If I don't, I don't. Like, <laughs> I'll be right. <laughs> and it's also a case too, like, I always love hearing, like, you know, strict diet when you're competing and then all of a sudden, ah, McDonald's on the way home, mum, let's go. Uh, you know, let's go to KFC, order, you know, 50 nuggets or something like that. Do you just let it go for like a week or two after an Olympics or even in the village afterwards? Are you just like, ah, oh, fucking, I can eat Pizza Hut now. I can eat KFC. <laughs> oh, for sure. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's all in moderation, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, of course, moderation. But you're allowed, like, again, you're an Olympian. You've got to celebrate, right? Like, you've got to allow yourself a day or two off. Come on. Oh, yeah. Well, the amount we train, like, going to have a treat every once in a while. Um, no, but after the gate, after our competition, uh, we were, like, straight to the dining hall. Like, they had really good dumplings there. Like, I know that's not, like, but... No, that's exciting. You know McDonald's, but dumplings, come on, yes. KFC there. <laughs> learned, I've learned that recently. Like, we keep talking about the fact that no McDonald's, but KFC was a thing. So yeah, that's a pretty decent it. substitute for McDonald's. That works. Yeah, it is. I actually have never been to KFC. Which is wow. Because McDonald's is always my choice, I guess, over any of the other fast food kind of places. So yep. how have you been to KFC? So, I can't okay. say that so not even at the village? You didn't even go at the village? No, I should have. Jeez, it's free. Like, you could have had so much stuff there, Gabby. Like all the stuff you could have had, like, you know, everything. You could have tried literally everything on the menu. I know. I should have. I really should have, should have done that. But I went straight to dumplings and the other kind of Chinese food that they had on offer. So. Well, when in China, you've got to have Chinese food. I mean, generally the best cuisine is in the home country, right? Like I've never been a Mexican food fan, but when I went to Mexico and had Mexican food, I was like, okay, well, this is amazing. I can see why this is like absolutely incredible with that. It's just I, I love just – I don't know why I get so excited over the fast foods that are at the uh, the village, uh, you know, because <laughs> – because you always heard those stories about like as soon as, you know, certain athletes would finish, you'd see the lines up at McDonald's and they've got like 50 Big Macs and 17 fries yeah. and all that kind of stuff going, which I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm much more of a McDonald's person, but I think mm -hmm. what comes from it is my, my deal breaker is the beverage. McDonald's has Coke, KFC has Pepsi. So that's the, that's the deal breaker for me. 
Wait, as in you prefer Coke over Pepsi? I 100% oh, prefer okay. Coke. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Although when I lived in New Zealand, KFC in New Zealand had Coke instead of Pepsi. So it was, oh, this is tricky now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Very important things that you've got to work out when you go to get your fast food, of course. Now, we'll get to some... Get some questions to close out, some fun get to know yourself questions. Before I do that, obviously when we had Sophie on, we talked a lot about her sort of animation and kind of drawing and all that sort of stuff. Now, what you're, a, I believe, doing a Bachelor of Arts. What, what's your field of study? Are you, are you a drawer? Are you sort of following Sophie into this as well or are you kind of uh, inclined towards something a little bit different? So I have actually changed courses since doing a Bachelor of Arts. Um, I'm now doing a Bachelor of Design ah. at uni. So... Yeah, I guess I am exploring my creative side a bit more now. I'm not a drawer like Sophie. Sophie is a very skilled drawer. I did not get those genes, sadly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I guess I'm I'm interested in, like, architecture and kind of design and kind of creativity in that sense. So, and, like, more Fantastic. so design. So, yeah. Could you design aerial courses? Like, is there a pathway to designing certain types of jumps? Like, could that be something you could do? Oh, that's a great question. I don't know. I feel like the jumps are pretty, pretty set in stone. I probably couldn't really tamper with that too much, but I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe you never know. One thing actually, I was surprised they didn't do for Beijing. I know there was a sort of World Cup or a World Championship once they had in the bird's nest there in Beijing, yeah. and I'm surprised they didn't turn around and do that because ultimately you don't have any winter sports that go in the stadium. They have the opening and closing mm-hmm. ceremony, right? So it's not like it was being used. So why didn't they put the aerials in the bird's nest like that World Cup they had many years ago? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I, I didn't go, obviously, but I remember hearing about it because it was all on scaffolding, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. And they said, like, because obviously seeing the jumps on the snow, like, they're huge, but, like, they don't look that crazy. But seeing them on scaffolding, like, it looks like ten, they all look ten times bigger. Yeah. Just scarier. So, yeah. They <laughs> could have done it easily. I mean, wasn't the, the big air, wasn't it in front of a nuclear plant or something like yeah. that? They had the giant logo on a nuclear stack, which is like, holy crap, what's going on here? So, I mean, China, I think, can afford the infrastructure. So I was very disappointed not to see that. You have 80,000 people watching mm. you. Doing aerial, I mean, you don't probably get those crowds in your competitions, do yeah. you? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, the big end nuclear. That was so sick. Like seeing the photos in the background, yeah. they're just nuclear. That's crazy. It's always so. going to look back. I'm saying this now. Brisbane 2032 is technically a Winter Olympics for Australia because it's been held in our winter. You've got obviously the great facility there in Brisbane uh, for for aerials and and skiing in general. So let's get some sort of campaign going that we can include aerials in what's technically a summer olympics but is also technically a winter olympics have it in the gabba you could have it in between the track and field like that first week track and field they've got to convert the stadium into track and field after the opening ceremony put up a scaffolding do some aerials in the gabba boom take it down track and field simple there it is so simple maybe we should ask yeah We do like water ramping comp in the Siemens where <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. That, that I mean that's a thing obviously that you that you do there. But actually just on that, I love I love hearing about the Jeff Henke Center. I mean, that's obviously such a, a groundbreaking facility for yeah. Australia and the sport in general. But I mean, is it kind of nice to be able to do a lot of training in a pretty warm climate for once, obviously, uh in Brisbane, even though you're no doubt getting wet all the time by splashing in that water so many days yeah. a year? Yeah, no, it is really nice. It's a really cool facility. Um, and yeah, as you said, like Brisbane doesn't really have winter, so it's cool that we can train like throughout Australian winter and 
we're, we're like finishing our water ramping camp like maybe middle of October so it would be getting quite hot by that time um but yeah it is really cool but it's kind of funny because like in previous years we go over to like say Switzerland or we've been to Canada in the past to use their facilities in the summer um so we've had like the summer and winter but now technically we're never having a summer <laughs> of training because we're like winter summer training and then after winter you're not the hemisphere so so you just you just don't know what summer is basically I anymore, don't right? No. <laughs> <laughs> don't even know the meaning of the word, basically. So no. that that's crazy to think. Which, I mean, I personally like cold weather. I know some people do like cold weather more than warm weather. But are you one of those people, or is it a case of you just thrive for warm weather because you're so used to those damn winters? Yeah, I can't say I like cold weather. Just um, <laughs> <laughs> always kind of funny. Like I don't always I'm have. Weird. The- in the winter <laughs> but yeah I would say I thrive in the warm weather because it is cold the majority of the time when we're overseas so <laughs> but yeah. yeah I know I love winter with snow and I like that kind of cold but like Melbourne winter is like the most dreariest thing because like it's just yeah not the same. It's it's interesting, isn't it? I feel there's always that part of any Australian, even if you live in snow, but snow's still kind of magical, isn't it? That it's it's something yeah. that we don't grow up with like they do in Europe or North America. So uh, that never leaves you, does it, no matter how much you see snow? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's always exciting. I, I mean, growing up in Hobart, we're lucky enough to have a big mountain over the top of us that we can go up to the snow mm-hmm. a fair bit in the winter. But, I mean, it's sort of to wake up to it sort of you open your door there's snow it's like wow it's uh pretty pretty insane as i said uh gabby we, we wrap up every interview with a set of get to know you fun style questions now i will say when when sophie answers this there is a, a drawing part of this which is completely optional um mm-hmm. and sophie did she she drew and sent us in a couple of things that we shared on our, our social media so uh i'll give you the example here so for this one you can draw a picture of your favorite animal Draw a place from your hometown or home state. Um, I know in the past is like draw a picture of your teammates. I don't know how you are at drawing Laura or Danny, but uh, I mean, if you want to, you're most welcome to, but you don't have to. But again, you're competitive with Sophie. So like you could look at hers and go, I'm going to do better than Sophie did. So there's just another option for you. All right. Okay. Yeah. No pressure. Favorite animal as well. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. No pressure. I look forward to that. But uh, so these questions are based on, as always, a Team Canada questionnaire they gave their athletes ahead of Pyeongchang and Rio. And I'm going to start off by asking you your favorite ever Olympic mobile. I've already we know the answer to this, isn't it? It's Matt Mitchum, right? So we've answered this. Tick it off. Do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite winter moment at all? Um. Well, I've got to say Lydia in 2014 when she did the. Uh, oh my god, I forgot the name. Quadruple twist. Um, that's pretty, pretty epic moment for sure. Like, which yeah, being the first, and now it's pretty common, isn't it? A lot of females are, are doing that now, aren't they? Now, since Lydia did that, um, a few, yeah, a few, not like not many, but there have been a few more people who have done it for sure. Yeah, groundbreaking this winter. Um, she didn't compete it, but she has tried on so now. But there you go. How 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 far away do you think you are from from landing that? Are we, can we see that in Milan, or is that going to be a 2030, 2034 Olympics? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I reckon Milan would be a bit of a stretch, but. <laughs> 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 Have you ever thought about doing um like Lydia? Obviously, did Survivor a couple of times. You know, is this a, yeah. a thing that all of a sudden, if Channel Ten give you a call, hey, Gabe, you want to do Survivor? Yeah, sure, let's give it a crack. 
I actually don't know how I'd fare on Survivor, but we're going to crack. I feel like there'd be other reality shows I would do over Survivor, but. Like what? Come on, give us some. Um, what would you do? Well, I was watching The Amazing Race last night and I was like, hmm, that might be a lot. But I reckon, like, um, I reckon The Block would be really interesting. Yeah, that'd be fun. Get you and Soph on one of these shows, Olympic Sisters on, like, The Amazing Race or The Block. That would be fun. True. All right. Apply. Apply. Yes, or Channel 9, Channel 10, if you're listening. Come on, get them on. Give me all these free ideas out. People need to start paying me. Uh, As a kid, your favourite sports team was? Oh, my favourite sports team. Mm, See, I was one of those kids that was just like, well, because I just did diving and skiing, I guess that was kind of all I was really into. Like I can't say I've been ever much of a ball sport kind of kid or anything. So sports teams. Flying kangaroos count, don't they? Like, Yeah. (laughs) No, I feel like because I was in individual sports teams, yeah, I wasn't really kind of famous one thing. Has it ever grown? Like, is it sort of as you grow older? Like, do you get into anything? Some of your friends maybe into some footy, basketball, anything like that that maybe you take a little eye on or not not too much? Uh, not too much. I feel like it's very un-Victorian of me to not really go for footy. I don't really have a footy team. <laughs> That's all right. I was going to um, say, if you, you don't have sort of a loose one that just kind of goes in the background or not. So, you know, it's a good. Yeah. I'll say it is a good thing because mm-hmm. you don't want the pain that it brings. So uh, unless you're going for a good team, which I don't, uh, therefore you don't really want the pain. So keep that up. Okay. (laughs) Don't join the dark side. It's hurtful. Um, If you could be any superhero, who would you be? Any superhero. Oh, that's a really good one. I've got a... Like Wonder Wonder Woman? Superhero? Yeah. One of women. Superhero? Yeah. Yeah. That works. Um, but also like <laughs> Spider Man will also be pretty sick as well to be able to just literally fly and go between areas. Help you in your sport oh. as well, wouldn't you? I think flying. It kind of give you a bit of an advantage being up there in the yeah. air. So yeah. But also like I lo- used to love the Incredibles when I was younger. This kind of just came to mind and being like Dash or That counts. <laughs> okay. Yeah, All right. I like it. I like it. Um, who is your? Who are your favorite music artists? Oh, this is such a tricky question. It does change a lot. Um, I'm gonna say I like Australian bands. That kind of stays the same. Like, um, I never know if I'm pronouncing this right, but like lime cord cordial cordials. <laughs> Sounds um, right. Sounds, yeah, that's good. <laughs> You're off the podium. Pronunciations is just a second yeah. thing. We don't really care too much about that. <laughs> yeah. That works. Okay, good to keep it local. I, I like that. Um, if you could eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Another hard question. Um, Canadians really know how to write these hard questions. They're, they're doing well. Um. I've got to say, oh, one food. I do love, it sounds so boring, but, like, I love watermelon. I reckon I could eat that, like, 24-7 right now. Healthy, though, too, so that kind or of works like a treat. <laughs> oh, well, well, great combination, yeah. watermelon and wedges. <laughs> 
commonly eaten yeah, together. <laughs> yeah. Where, where's it? Just healthy, but like watermelon Un- is always hydrating, always kind of sweet. <laughs> yeah, well, underrated wedges. I feel like they get so overshadowed by fries, but uh, they you know. Do. Wedges, mm. wedges are pretty darn good. I know uh, when we had Sophie on, I think Colin asked what was her least favourite food, and I believe she said capsicum. Are you on the uh, the capsicum oh. hate train as well? Or? No, I'm not. I'm on the I love capsicum train, and I hate <laughs> cooking for Sophie because I always want to add capsicum. <laughs> <laughs> and she's all just like taking it. So she's not one of those people who can just pick it out. It's got to be completely out of the um, food. She has gotten better. She's gotten better. Um Right. But, yeah, we used to always have an argument. I was like, why do you hate it? Like, it doesn't taste like anything. Like, even when you cook it, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> but do to you- be fair, she loves mushrooms. I hate mushrooms. Well, so. that was my next question. There you go. Uh, okay. so she's, she's flipping around there that you don't like the mushrooms. I'm with you on the yeah. mushroom. Mushrooms are disgusting. So, yeah, no, that's definitely <laughs> something there. Uh, your favourite place to compete is? Um, I've got to say Deer Valley, Utah, in America. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always a really cool event. Um, and they always have a big like, US crowd and we probably stay in like the nicest accommodation and yeah, I think you get a bit spoiled at that event, which is pretty cool. So. Which would be all right. So is that, is that where they had the Olympics in 2002? So if they get the Olympics back again, is that, am I thinking somewhere different in Deer Valley? Yeah, that was Salt, that was Salt Lake, wasn't it? Well, Salt so they're completely different areas. I'm not even in the ballpark. Yeah, yet, different areas, so. yeah. I don't okay. actually know where they, where they had the jump sign but yeah well i mean maybe it could be a site for the olympics if they get the assault lake olympics back if it's in the same Mm. state right so um who knows how that works uh one thing that you have always wanted to do is it's very broad um well, the answer that's on this one, uh, the, the, the answer we're using here uh from taylor henrik a canadian ski uh ski jumper uh, they've said fly in a fighter jet. Huh. I would mm. never. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. I've got to say maybe like be really good at the drums. Yes. <laughs> so random. <laughs> no, I like that. Something about drummers that I think is just such a cool skill to have. So I reckon yeah. a drummer. Badass mm. drumming aerial skier. That uh, That's a TikTok mm-hmm. right there. You know, you could just get all the followers oh, on that. So, I know, TikTok. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's incredible. Uh, what is your favourite thing to do in the summer? Um, that's all question. Well, I haven't really been home for the summer for quite a while, so um, I would say I'd just go to the beach. I think, or it's just generally just be able to, I guess, wander around in not a ski jacket and a ski suit and beanie (laughs) t-shirt and shorts it would be nice once a year to kind of wear yes exactly i like that uh what's your favorite movie hmm i really can't say i have a favorite movie i struggle so much with this one um what did i i recently watched a really good movie with kate blanchett but the title is has left me. Yeah, I sorry, I don't have an answer for you on that one. <laughs> that's that's. We'll just go with a Kate Blanchett movie. We can fill yeah. in the blanks there with that one. Um, now the the question on this one is my favorite place to visit in Canada is. But let's flip this around. What is your favorite place to visit in Australia? Oh, um, 
Well, see, I'd love to explore Australia more, so I can't say I have a definite answer to this one because I feel like I have not seen the best place in Australia. But we went to, it was actually funny, so during our lockdowns in Australia and COVID, we were kind of trying to get up to Brisbane, but of course because all the states were kind of like not letting anyone in or out, um, it was quite hard. So we ended up going to Darwin. Ah. Random of all places because... We were in New South Wales. You could quarantine in Darwin for two weeks and then get into Brisbane from there. Hmm. Uh, and we were like in a place in New South Wales where it was wasn't a red area. Um, so, yeah, I would say not Darwin, the city, but the national parks around Darwin are really cool. Um, Fantastic. Big difference from a winter area too. Darwin from yeah. you know <laughs> minus thirty in Beijing to uh, Darwin. Big difference. Yeah. <laughs> Humid, thirty degrees every plus every day. Like yeah, yeah. it was nice. Wow, wow, great. I've never been. Uh, Northern Territory is the only state of territory I've not been to, but it's definitely uh definitely on cool. the bucket list. Your favorite cartoon to watch growing up was mm, favorite cartoon probably The Simpsons. Simpsons. Yeah. Or Futurama. Yeah. yeah. Good answers. I like that. Uh, <laughs> if you had to do karaoke, what would you sing? I have done karaoke a few times overseas. Well, good, because we're about to play some music <laughs> right now, Gabby. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you on <laughs> um, Oh, karaoke song. What did you do when you did it? What was sort of the songs that you did? Um well, I've only done it like in a group. I've never done it just myself. Um, but we did well, we were in um Finland, I think, in one of them and we sung um uh was it Men Down Under? The um the Oh Land Down Under. Land Down Under, yeah. <laughs> um typical Aussie song. It's good. It's a classic, uh, never dies. Come on, there's a reason yeah. for that, yeah. And the other one we sung was like Every Time We Touch. That was a good fun song ah. to sing. Cascada, good song. Yeah. 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 Okay. I, I like that. Right now, so. well, now yeah. was this sort of like one of those ones where you have like a separate booth or were you in front of like a whole room basically no, in front we're of everyone? In a whole room. Wow. Yeah. You went full karaoke. None of this full cheating karaoke. and locking yourself in a room. Yeah. Wow. None of that. None of that. You need wow. To go. <laughs> okay. If there's footage of this, please send us in, Gabby. We'd love to. Uh, <laughs> we'd love to see that. Uh, last one for you today. If you could be an Olympian in any other sport besides your own, what would it be? Um. Hmm. Well, I feel like the first answer would be like diving, just because I've actually done it before. But if it was a sport I'd never done before. I reckon surfing would be pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Olympics. Ten, ten years surfed, to go for so. Brisbane, home Olympics, surfing, plenty <laughs> yeah. of time to train, right? You know? You've yeah, got... exactly. I'm close the Gold Coast now. Like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you get you get so used to getting in that water there, uh, the, the water facility, so just what's a surfboard instead of some skis. Exactly. Kind of the same, <laughs> sort of like a snowboard, but. Similar. I don't know where I'm going with that. Gabby, uh, before we let you go, social media, anywhere that people can sort of follow your journey in between now and 2026? Uh, I definitely have Instagram, um, which is Gabby underscore Ash. <laughs> where you can follow my journey. Yeah. Yep. TikTok, uh, anything like that? Like I always like to ask about TikTok because I don't know what the fuck it is, so I'm sure half our guests know what it is, so that helps. I am yet to make any videos for TikTok, but, yeah. Don't Coming have to soon. 
Coming soon, exactly. <laughs> Coming soon. Well, when, when you and Soph get on the amazing race or on the block, like it's going to yeah. take off. So it's going to do that way. Gabby, it's been so much fun learning about your journey in the sport and everything, your Olympic experiences. Uh, best of luck moving forward into uh, the next Olympic cycle. And we'll get you back on. We'll get you and Soph on together with both gold medals around your neck after Milan. How does that sound? Sounds fabulous. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thank you for having me. And a massive thanks to Gabby there, loving learning all about her time across the years there in freestyle skiing and also learning about uh, the fact we could see her and Soph on uh, either the block or Amazing Race. I'd watch it. That would work. I think uh, aerial skiers and reality TV in Australia have a pretty good reputation. So I think that she would uh, definitely fit in very well there. But a big thanks to Gabby for her time. If you want to see the video version of that interview, as always, YouTube, hit us up on there. Search for other great episodes there. You can see our video chat with her sister Sophie as well on there. And all the other great guests, of course, just a couple of episodes ago, we had Lewis Irving on there to continue on the aerial skiing trend. So if you're an aerial skiing fanatic, We've got you covered here and off the podium. If you don't want to miss an episode on the audio front, remember to subscribe on all good podcast platforms wherever you are listening to us right now. And leave us some feedback. Let us know what you think of the show. We would love to hear that along the way. And all the social media channels as well, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, maybe TikTok one day. We'll see how we fair with that coming up we have some incredible chats coming your way we are ticking off some new sports over the course of the coming weeks tennis is a sport that we have never talked about on this show which i'm very very excited for breaking break dancing i've talked about this before but we've got a debutante from the debut sport at the olympics coming your way in Paris next year. It's a great chat. It really is a fantastic chat, and you are going to get a lot from that one as well. We're returning to rowing to talk to an Olympic gold medalist in the sport of rowing. That's actually coming your way in just a couple of days' time. Of course, remember, two episodes a week, so that episode will be dropping in just a few days' time, so get pumped for that, as well as archery, our first ever archer on the show. Bow and arrow, pew pew, that's uh, my way of... I don't know why I said pew pew, but that seemed to work when I was coming out of my mouth there. Uh, but that's coming your way too in the coming weeks. So lots to get excited for here on Off the Podium. We do love your support on the show, and we definitely do appreciate you tuning in every single week along the way. Big thanks again to Gabby for her time. Shout out to the Birmingham Bull. My name is Ben. This has been Off the Podium, and we will speak to you next time. And remember to go our left. Start making it through just like pasta, pasta, that's amore. That's amore. When you dance down the street with the club at your feet, you're in love. When you walk in a dream, but you know you're not dreaming. Excuse me, but you see back in old Napoli, that's a more